There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Before we start properly, I'd just like to mention my sponsor. So this episode is sponsored by italki. That's a very convenient way to build your fluency in English by getting regular spoken practice into your life with one-to-one lessons or conversations on Skype. And when you get some lessons, italki will send you a voucher worth a free lesson. To get that offer, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello listeners, how are you today? Welcome to this new episode. As you can see from the title of this one, this episode is all about Oasis. And yes, that is Oasis the band. Do you know them, Oasis? Now many of you will be thinking, yes, I know them, Luke. Or, of course we know them. But some of you will be thinking, huh, what, who, oh, oh, what? Maybe the name is pronounced differently in your country, the name of this band. Like, for example, I live in France, and in in France, they're called Oasis. I mean, I actually asked my wife to to say that for me. Check out, this is my wife saying Oasis, but uh, this is how French people say it. Oasis. Who? Oasis. (laughs) So in France, it's Oasis. I used to live in Japan, and there, in Japan, they call them, what? Something like OAS. Oh, I, I can't do it very well. But I asked my Japanese friend Moto to say it for me, like a Japanese person. This is what he sent to me via WhatsApp from Japan. Oasis. <laughs> In English, it's a three-syllable word, and the stress is on the second syllable, Oasis. Oasis. So anyway, Oasis, man. Do you know what I mean? You do know who I'm talking about now, don't you? Just in case any of you are still in doubt, how about if I play this? Right? Oasis. There's still one person going, what? You know this, don't you? It's their, probably their biggest hit. This is Wonderwall. This is Liam. Liam's going to start singing now. And you're definitely going to know it now, aren't you? Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. Oasis, what about if I play this? Maybe this will help. That was uh, Don't Look Back in Anger. What about this? That's rock and roll star. So Oasis, man, biggest band in the world, man. Do you know what I mean? So most of you probably do, but in any case, here is a pithy summary of Oasis right here at the beginning. So Oasis 
are, and I'm saying are because it's a group, Oasis are a rock band from Manchester in England. They became famous in the early to mid-1990s, but they continued as a band until 2009 when they split up acrimoniously, which basically means that they had an argument and fell out. Certainly the, the, the most famous members of the group did anyway, and that's the Gallagher brothers, Noel and Liam Gallagher. They were born to Irish parents living in Manchester, so they're English, they're Mancunian to be more specific, but with Irish roots. And they're famous for things like their particular brand of rock and roll music, which seemed to be heavily influenced by so many classic British bands from the 60s, 70s and 80s. And they're famous for their general attitude and demeanour, unpretentious, cool and funny, but also kind of arrogant, cocky, rude, and sometimes even violent and aggressive. There's a lot more to it than just those things. And that's why my brother James and I decided the other day to record an episode all about this band. And that's what you're going to hear in this one. So yes, this is a long episode, but it should cover most of the significant details, although I'm sure that we've missed certain things. Remember, you don't have to listen to this episode all in one go. You could pause and the podcast app on your phone will remember where you stopped and then you can carry on later. So break it up a bit if you like. The aim for the episode is to tell you the main things that I think you need to know about Oasis and their music and to try to explain their cultural significance, uh, in the UK at least, and their personal significance as well to us. Also, I just want to provide you with more content which I hope is interesting to listen to in order to help with your English. At the end of the episode, you'll hopefully be more able to understand and talk about this iconic English band. Just one other thing before we continue, there is quite a lot of swearing in this episode, so it's not really for children or the swearing intolerant, okay? So, right then, without any further ado, let's get fucking started, man. Okay, so I'm currently sitting in my brother's flat in London, in South London, and uh, we're going to talk about Oasis, the band. Why have we decided to talk about Oasis seemingly randomly? Because the listeners are listening to this, oh, you know, English expressions, blah, blah, blah. Oasis, okay. Uh, they're a, I think they're quite an interesting band. Uh, I've recently started becoming a little bit more, I wouldn't say obsessed <laughs> Mm-hmm. But slightly more uh, going back and looking at their work from a distance, probably because it's been 25 years or something. How long has it been? 20 years? I mean, they they first sort of became, so 90, well, they be- first became known in like 1994. So 2004, it's like 15, 25 years, right? I don't know. It's just there's sometimes with a bit of distance, you can see things afresh. Yeah. And um, I always used to be a little bit sniffy about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't sure if I liked them or not, although I did buy some of their records. Um, and I did enjoy them from time to time. But anyway, I wasn't a massive fan. But recently I've been going back and checking out some of their stuff again and listening to their live recordings and stuff. And what about my audience? 
I mean, you know, uh, I know they're they're they're. I think they're a very English band, very British band. Yeah, um, they are. Yeah, they globally successful British band. Well, as well. so they say. I think they. Some no, no. might say. <laughs> Uh, I think they were, they were big in Japan. They were big. In, they weren't big in America. They Just, were. Mm. They were quite big in America. You won't get any Americans listening to this, will you? To verify some, this, some. If you're, Ameri- I had a friend when I lived in New Zealand. My flatmate was American. He's like Oasis. They weren't anything in America. We were listening to Bush and stuff. Yeah. No, they probably weren't as big as they could have been. Like they weren't as big as you know Nirvana and. The Foo Fighters. Anyway, we're rambling already. Aren't it's we? all right. It's okay. But the, what I'm doing is just establishing at the beginning why we've chosen to talk about Oasis. So obviously, there are. I think they're globally famous. Successful, yeah, they're pretty big and very, very British as well in various ways. And uh, and also, we're just interested in talking about them. Did you see the documentary called Supersonic? Yes, very good documentary. It was on Netflix and also maybe available on other uh, uh, services. But I saw that as well, and it kind of made me think about them and make me want to to talk about them on the podcast. And also, Noel Gallagher is still kind of very active on the sort of, almost like the chat show circuit almost. Mm -hmm. And he's hilarious. And all his interviews on YouTube are really, really funny. And you can easily get lost into a sort of Noel Gallagher hole (laughs) on YouTube and just watch endless Noel Gallagher interviews because he's so funny. I do watch a lot. And it makes me think about Oasis more. And there's this ongoing feud between the two brothers, Noel and Liam. Yeah. Which doesn't seem like it's going to be resolved. Because they're both still very famous in the UK. And they're both in the media a lot, the two brothers, Liam and Noel. Um, so anyway, it's you know although the band is no more, they broke up um, a few years ago. Uh, it's st- they're still there; they're still part of the popular consciousness, certainly in the UK. Yeah. And it's just worth talking about this very British thing, and we like to do that. And on this we podcast. grew up during this era, so it's kind of you know we we know what we're talking about. Okay, we're going to pretend that we do. What are the main sort of things, the bits of information? So where uh, Oasis. You think of the band, you think of the two brothers, the Gallagher brothers, right? Noel, the older one who played the guitar and was the songwriter principally. And then Liam, who was the younger one, who was the lead singer. And it was kind of like Liam had the voice and Liam had the look. And Noel was the brains behind the whole thing, I think. Yeah, that's how it kind of seemed. Okay. And they were they were joined in the beginning, uh, at the beginning by Bonehead, also known as Paul Arthurs on guitar. Giggsy, Paul McGuigan on bass guitar, and Tony McCarroll on drums. Uh, that was the original lineup at the beginning. Uh, they actually formed in 1991 in Manchester. So obviously Oasis is it's important that they're from Manchester because they they are very sort of Mancunian in their in their way, aren't yeah, they? Definitely, definitely Manchester band. Uh, in their swagger and sort of their accents and and all of it, they they, they there's a whole sort of Manchester scene, and they f- sort of fit into that, don't they? Other bands like the Stone Roses, the Happy Mondays, the the Smiths, and yeah, things. they're all influences on Oasis, I believe. Yeah, um, so very much a Manchester thing. Formed at the beginning of the nineties. Do you know the story of how they formed, how they became Oasis? Um, Noel was a songwriter in his own right part-time, I suppose, sort of just in his spare time, and he was a roadie for the Inspiral Carpets. A roadie? Which is a sort of guy that helps out lifting amps and setting up gear and doing logistics and stuff. On tour. For a touring band. And funnily enough, while I remember, Mm -hmm. 
me and a mate of mine called Woody bumped yeah. into the Inspiral Carpets once in Aston in Birmingham. So the Inspiral Carpets were a, were a band in the late 80s and the early 90s. Yeah, right? a kind of a typical indie band, very sort of quite fun, poppy, thrashy mm-hmm. uh, band. I wasn't really a huge fan, but it's not that I don't like them. I'm just not that aware of their stuff. Um, okay. But anyway, my mate Woody was a big fan. Mm-hmm. We were in Aston one day, just sort of bumming around, waiting for the pub to open or something. Mm-hmm. And which I'm sure it was open all the time anyway. But I don't know why we were there. But we were we were sitting on this bench, we're in the kind of student area, and we saw some guys kind of playing a sort of half half-assed game of cricket on a little sort of a green sort of area nearby, just messing about. Mm-hmm. And Woody went, "That's the Inspiral Carpets." And I was like, how do you know? And he's like, I just know. It's the Inspiral Carpets. They're playing a gig tonight. That's definitely the Inspiral Carpets. And he went over and chatted to them. And I kind of like half went over and half said hello because I didn't really know them anyway. Yeah. And But Woody told me recently, you know who was with them that day? This guy, their roadie, Noel. Yeah. Noel Gallagher. Yeah, right. So I kind of said, waved at them. But Woody actually chatted to them. Yeah. And Noel Gallagher was their roadie during that time. So wow. we kind of crossed paths. Yeah. Even though I didn't talk to him. Obviously, but, uh, this was a very important moment for him. I'm sure it was. <laughs> After that moment, he suddenly was like, you know what, right? I'm going to start me on band. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, that's the first Gallagher impression <laughs> of the, the episode. First, do you know what I mean? The, do you know what I mean? That was the second, the third. Yeah. Um, okay, so you actually bumped into them once, uh, bumped into Noel at least, because he used to be a roadie for the Inspiral Carpets, but he was a he was a budding songwriter yeah. on his own. And his brother wasn't particularly musical, supposedly, until one day he came home from tour and he said, where's Liam? And his mum said, oh, he's at band practice. And he was like, what? He's in a band. He's in a, he's in a band? Liam? <laughs> <laughs> We should just do the whole thing with you as Noel, and I could ask you questions. That could really so went, work. So, Noel, home. so what? I went home, right? I just come back from like from like touring with the Spiral Carpets. Do you know what I mean? And uh, so I get in. I said to to me, "Ma'am, where's Liam?" She's like, "He's at band practice." I was like, "Fuck off! He's in. He's in a band." I don't know. Not bad. I think it's, slightly light. All right. So that's how they started. So, uh, yeah, so Liam. Liam. Had got his own his own band and started his own band and they were called the Rain, mm-hmm. I think, or Rain or something. And yeah. then Noel was like, "Yeah, actually, they're quite good. You should get some better songs. How about I join and write some songs?" And that's what happened. I think it was like uh, Bonehead who kind of described what it was like because he was in the band. It was basically the four of them: Liam, Bonehead, Giggsy, and uh, the drummer Tony. So it was the four of them as the Rain. And then, yeah, Noel came along and he kind of, I think he sat in with him. He's like, I've got some songs. Uh, why don't you try playing my songs? And they did. And according to Bonehead, it was like, it was suddenly, um, you know, at the beginning, they were just bashing out these same songs again and again and again. And then when Noel came in, suddenly there was just like so many more possibilities and they just like raised their game massively because he'd written songs like, like was it live forever and and songs like that that he kind of brought to the band at the beginning? I think it was m- mostly the first album that they recorded, those songs, yeah. and probably some others that he brought to the table, and and you know it utterly changed it. But I, I think probably Liam was still a big part of it because Liam, don't you think he's a great frontman? Yeah, 
it wouldn't have been Oasis without him, would it? No, not at all. I mean, it would have been the high flying birds, and they're kind of crap. <laughs> I think they are. I've never really got into know. their they're stuff. They're all right. Some of their stuff's quite good. It's, he's trying to do something different. I like Noel. It? I definitely like him, but I, I have to say, I think that the. I don't think he's ever going to listen to this. Uh, but I do think the uh, the Oasis, certainly the first two albums of Oasis are brilliant. It's, you know, really great classic albums. Um, okay, so Noel joined the group and he brought his songs and he also kind of made certain um, demands, I think. He basically said, I'll do this, I'll join, you can have my songs, but I want to be the leader of the group. That's He genuinely said that, I think. Hold on, what? He made them change their name to yeah. Oasis or something, maybe. maybe I don't know not. if he made them change their name to Oasis or if, if Liam, because apparently the, the story goes that Liam came up with the name because he had a poster on his wall. Was it the Inspiral Carpets poster? And it was a venue somewhere called Oasis or the Oasis. It's like the Manchester Oasis Leisure Centre or something like that. And either Noel or Liam had this poster on their wall and they took the word Oasis from that and that was the, the, the name of the band. So what do you think of the name Oasis? It's okay. It's it's quite sort of generic, isn't it? It sounds like an indie band of the early nineties. Yeah, it kind of fits the bill for the time. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Yeah, it'll do. Yeah, it's not, the best, <laughs> it's not one of the best names of a band ever. But I mean, the Beatles is a rubbish name. Yeah, I think. Beatles is a cringy pun. Really, it's isn't awful it? name. Like, ouch. Beat like the beat of music. The Beatles. See what they did. Yeah. Um, but anyway, going back to o- Oasis, so we just talked about how they got their name. And then, basically, in terms of the history, which we'll try and they get got, through. They got signed to Creation Records. But this is after they you know, they started doing gigs and things, and just they spent all their time in the studio. Because in Manchester, there probably wasn't that much to do at the time. Quite a rough part of Manchester, I think, they lived in. So they, apparently, they just spent all their time in the studio, just playing and playing and playing. And they got actually very good. They're doing gigs around town, and then eventually they got signed by Creation Records. Alan McGee, who had signed things like the Jesus and Mary Chain, and I think Primal Scream, and some really cool bands from that era, mm-hmm. and he signed them, and they did really well. Yeah, they went on the Word, which was a really trashy youth youth. TV program, yeah, uh, which was like really bright, really trashy. Loads, it was live, late on a lots Friday of, night. Lots of outrageous, stupid stuff, mm-hmm. and they played that, which is probably the best gig they could have got to launch their career. So Oasis were on that really good slot, and I remember watching it and just thinking, "Who are these? Who are these guys? Who are these?" And like bits of it reminded me of the Happy Mondays. Uh huh. How? Which bits? Just the general sort of attitude of being really overly baggy and wearing really baggy clothes and sort of like having a bit of a like swagger. Yeah, like that fucking mad for it, man. And uh, some of it reminded me a bit of the Beatles, like some of the lyrics, because it was, uh, what's it called? It, it, it was it supersonic. Was super. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But then some of the lyrics sounded a bit Johnny Rotten to me as well. You know, that sniffing in a tissue, selling the big issue. Sounds like the Sex Pistols. Sounded a bit punky to me. So yeah. it was like a big mishmash of like baggy 60s and and uh, like punk all yeah. mixed up. So you got, yeah. And it was kind of slow, but it kind of felt slightly aggressive anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like, that was cool. And this guy at the front looked pretty fucking cool. Do you know what I mean? Liam. And uh, it kind of made you think, I should, I should probably dress a bit more like that. 
Um, I should probably get some boots rather than wearing these trainers all the time. I should probably get some like desert boots or something. Can I just ask you to try and describe the sound of Oasis? I mean, rather just than a very mid-range howl of. I mean, it's kind of quite not. It reminds me. I've only recently worked out what Noel is trying to get because sometimes it sounds quite dark. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it kind of sounds quite light, and it, it's it's a bit like Neil Young. Yeah, I've always thought that. So Neil Young with Crazy Horse um, from probably the late 70s onwards when he played these big stadium shows and Crazy Horse were basically a very basic band. Like you can tell when you listen to Crazy Horse, the drummer only knows two or three drum rolls and it's just the same beat. The bass player only ever plays the root notes of everything. That's Crazy Horse. And and he wants to play with a band that's not super yeah, pro and flash Neil and Young wants yeah. to play with like a really sh- kind of crappy garage band yeah uh, because that's the sound he's looking for and it's not going to like fill the sound with unnecessary garbage it's just the, like minimal he's also got a second guitarist Neil Young who's playing all the bass chords all yeah. the way through and then Neil Young's got just filling the air with a distorted guitar which is so big but it's the, the foundation is so simple that yeah. it's like this incredibly powerful wall of sound. Kind of a wall of sound, yeah, yeah. type deal. Which is, a, again, a little bit Sex Pistols-y. Yeah. And a little bit Beatles-y. Yeah, when the Beatles were doing that psychedelic kind of... Um, how do you describe The droning period. Where a lot, of their, a lot of the Beatles tracks had a sort of a psychedelic drone that would go through them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I remember watching them on The Word and being pretty impressed. And I went out, which is something that you kids won't know about these days and went to the record shop and like, have you got that new Oasis single, please? Mm-hmm. Like, yep, there you go. Bought it, still got it. I remember when you came home with that and we, we played it in your bedroom. Yeah, and, and we're um, probably, st- I'm still trying to work out if I really like it or just think it's okay. At the time, I remember your thoughts about it. Your your thoughts were, this is a really good song and these guys have really got their, their shit together. I think you recognise, like, this is something, like these these guys have, sort of they stand out from the rest of the indie crowd that we've got yeah moment. they definitely did they had a lot more balls <laughs> <laughs> how many more balls did they have? i'd say <laughs> six or seven more more than the other average other the, the average number. yeah <laughs> i hate that phrase i can't believe i just said what, that. balls they had yeah, balls they had balls it's an american sort of thing isn't it but what else are you gonna say bollocks they had yeah <laughs> bollocks is the british version but is there a clean version of saying that they had gusto they i was had... gonna say attitude but i hate that word they had attitude don't like that word why but... not because it's got too much attitude okay um yeah they they did have tons of attitude they did have like yeah this really arrogant attitude so we're talking about 1994 when the first single came out which was supersonic and then, like, I think they came out with probably... Uh, oh, and I've got my finish to that. Yeah. So I bought Supersonic, and then I never had to buy any other Oasis record ever again, because after that, they were fucking everywhere. Yeah. On telly, every night, on everyone's stereo, every party played it, everyone in your flat, all your flatmates had it. Yeah. If you wanted to borrow it, you could just borrow it. It was on the radio all the time. It was on top of the pops continuously. It yeah. was everywhere. That's true. Didn't need to buy the records. No. It just, they, they got to a level of success where the music was just pervasive. In the pub. Right. You'd hear it. In restaurants, you'd hear it. 
absolutely everywhere. So after that initial thinking of like, hey, these guys are, have got something, they're going to be big. So then when they reach that level of fame where they're everywhere and you've got all these fans around who are not probably the sort of people that you would normally hang out with. Like the Oasis fans are quite laddish, quite kind of... Um, I don't know how to describe it. the casual wear. Like they was wear... a bit more of a breakaway from the indie scene, which is kind of a scene in itself of kind of independent guitar music. Mm-hmm. But it was quite sort of art school and quite like if you think of a ba- think of a band like Blur, mm-hmm. it's kind of art school and it's slightly conceptual. So this is the indie scene. This at the is time. the indie scene. So Blur was singing about concepts. Yeah. or ideas mm-hmm. and they were writing kind of idea based albums and they yeah. were writing songs from different characters sort you know diff- from different people's point of view and it's a little bit more of an arty approach and less direct mm-hmm. whereas Oasis when they came along they weren't sort of hiding behind any double meanings or anything right they were just singing what they wanted to sing directly mm-hmm. and I think that's part of what made them appealing to a lot of people as they were just direct, simple, you know, love songs or, you know, direct emotional songs. I feel like the thing they had which made them a bit like the Beatles was that they were just sort of ordinary, kind of working class lads from the north. Yeah. And so they had a certain kind of toughness and a certain no-nonsense sort of down-to-earth straightforwardness combined with humor and attitude mm, definitely lots of humor yeah tons of humor not not really in the songs but just off state just they carried a sort of just I just the kind of the way they conducted themselves in interviews they were funny and they, yeah, they were really funny freaking hilarious i don't know if if liam is in trying to be a character <laughs> but he's just so kind of like you know that sort of like yeah fucking I'm like Liam from fucking Oasis. You man. couldn't make him up, could you? Like, fucking, come on. Let's fucking have it, man. <laughs> you know, he's just got so much attitude. He just comes into a TV studio. He's like walking in like that. Oh, that's a fucking nice studio, man. <laughs> like that. And then like, so Liam, um, the second album f- uh, for your new band, BDI. How do you think it's uh, going? It's fucking, it's great, man. Um, I think the world, the world has spoken. <laughs> but... They were huge, and but they so, just kept on getting huger. But the, uh, what I wanted to ask you was, um, so after the, your initial thought, which is like, hey, these guys look good, to when everyone suddenly liked them. Well, I liked what did you, it. What did you think of them then? It felt like a sort of slight wave of popular culture. Yeah. I don't know what better way to describe it than that. Yeah. But uh, when it was kind of in the air. Mm-hmm. And like I say, it was on the radio, it was always on in the pub, it was on the jukebox. It was just kind of part of the feeling of the time. Yeah. And it's quite kind of, the lyrics are quite, I don't know if I want to say aspirational, but they're quite positive and like, go for it in a, in a sort of really weird sort of way. For me, a lot of the lyrics, if you think of a song like Live Forever, the lyrics are kind of like, you know, I live in a just some shitty little street and uh, I'm like confined by the the dreams of... My, my parents or my mum and like my mum only want it cares about her garden and it's just about how her plants are growing in her garden but and the lyrics are like maybe I don't want to know how your garden's growing because I, I want to live forever I want to you know explode in, in into a champagne supernova you know like they were dreaming of like being the Beatles 
and so it's all about sort of breaking out of that kind of mundanity of um of their street of just their house and their street you know like you and i we're going to live forever he says also um it was a reaction i've heard him say since it was a reaction against sort of like grunge and that depressing suicide kind of vibe <laughs> of that some was in american grunge some, some, um, some sort of american self feeling sorry for yourself sort of rock music yeah like and, like Nirvana, which is a bit kind of like... Well, you know, towards the end, Nirvana got a bit mopey, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, I love Nevermind, but after that, I'm not really that fussed about Nirvana. Even some Nevermind tracks are a bit like... You know, yeah, but they're great. But, oh, yeah, yeah but, they are. But they are quite mopey and depressive. Yeah. And he that's why he wrote, I don't... I want to live, I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. And, again, it was just like a sort of slightly uppy feeling at the time. Yeah, yeah. And... Quite a hedonistic... It was a hedonistic well. time... And it was quite a positive time. The, I don't know, just... The 90s. The 90s was pretty wicked. Yeah, it was. Because, I mean, it, the, we're talking about Oasis and the, the three things that make up their, their music, which is the 60s Beatle thing, the 70s punk thing, and then the, the late 80s Acid House sort of thing, or that, how that influenced rock music. Oh, that's something else. While I remember, Noel has also said since that he reckoned some of his lyrics, the optimistic stuff, like I was saying, was influenced by him listening to lots of like Acid House records. Because they're so which upbeat. Are, which are right, really uplifting, simple phrases mm-hmm. of like, about love and, you know, yeah, put your hands in the air and stuff. Get higher and higher. <laughs> yeah. It, just those simple phrases of uplifting intent yes he reckons now maybe it's easy to be to have hindsight mm-hmm. but he now reckons it was something to do with listening to like acid house but yeah acid house and also like the manchester music of yeah the, which the, is another manchester connection the, the the happy mondays were very sort of um what's the word for it they were into dancing and and um uh they were they were like ravers acid house ravers and and the Stone Roses kind of as well, yeah. so you can see how how those influences came into uh, Oasis's sound. So Oasis, in conclusion, there are kind of quite an upbeat, positive group. Certainly in the beginning, and that you know is sort of part of that um, uplifting music scene that was happening at the time. And, yeah. they, and they had lots of hits. Yeah, they did. They had lots of sing-along songs that people learned the words to. Which always amazes me when people start singing along to the song and they know all the words. Yeah, but they are anthems, aren't they? Yeah, they wrote a lot of anthems. Like, you know, Live Forever is an anthem and Cigarettes and Alcohol and all of those early songs are all massive sing-along anthems. And they are great. Yeah. First time I heard Cigarettes and Alcohol, I was pretty blown away. And Champagne Supernova, I listened to that on the way back from Thailand. Yeah. um, In like 1990-something four maybe and i'd had a really heavy week uh-huh. i bought some bootleg tapes yeah on the way to the airport and uh they were like 50p you know if it was so champagne- i bought a few albums and they were terrible quality but i listened to that hour which is that the second album yeah second album 1995 yeah, i think the first time i'd heard that was on this bootleg tape and i was on i had it on my walk when on the plane mm-hmm. it just sounded brilliant yeah and i was really blown away by how sort of atmospheric the guitars were and the intros and stuff as well paul weller plays guitar on that didn't know that yeah. there you go fun fact uh listeners 
so so you i mean i found oasis more and more irritating in the <laughs> 90s it got to a point where i really didn't like them i actively disliked them and i found them really awful and that was basically after that first set of songs that went on to definitely maybe which is an amazing album even though it's quite sort of badly recorded it's a great album because the songs are fantastic liam is on fire um you know uh, his voice is brilliant and it's just an excellent album and then they did what was it um what's that song that is a rip-off of uh neil innes um, whatever they then started to go down this hang on so how does that one go um it goes yeah, I'm, free uh, I'm free to be to whatever be. i know the and blues it was a total ruttles bite it was stolen from how sweet to be an idiot and that's was proven in court yeah and now neil which is innes, quite rare to he, get that kind of neil innes now gets uh money from the sales of that song Handy. He's, I think he's credited as a co-writer or he's got some kind of royalty from it. There's also that other one that goes, I'd like to... <laughs> In perfect harmony. That one. I'd like to build myself a house out of plasticine. Ah, shake it along with that me. That was owned by the Coca-Cola Corporation. Yeah, because there is I'd a... I'd like s- to buy the world I'd like to Coke. teach the world to sing. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was, I like to buy the world a Coke. Yeah. And then they kind of ripped it off and they got sued for that as well. But, but yeah. I don't mind the ripping off. I think it's no, funny. No, I, I don't either. And there's really, that one that's the, the Imagine intro as well. Yeah. And then you're like on another song, but it's just like stealing the intro to something. And also there's it. Cigarettes and Alcohols is the intro to Get It On by T-Rex. It's like sampling, really. I know, it's so cheeky. And he says when he first played that to the band, they're like, you can't do that. You can't do that. And he's like, I can, look. But I'm not talking about... Sort of- and there's other... There's the Sex Pistols one as well, Satellite, mm-hmm. Rock and Roll Star. If you listen to the intro to Satellite and the intro to Rock and Roll Star. Uh-huh. Okay, it's a rip-off. Yeah. But I don't mind those little thefts. No, so I, much, I like them. But the thing that annoyed me was when they started to just really overtly copy the Beatles in a in a way that just... It was just so kind of cynical it was cheesy and like they would they just sort of started to become some kind of beatles wannabe impressions group and there were some songs like what was that one around the world all around the world what you heard it's gonna make a better day like and it's so beatlesy it's like it's annoying not just the the tune but the way that they've played it they've like the drummer is doing a ringo beat there's bits of mellotron in there and stuff and the video is like a yellow submarine ripoff and it's just like i just found that so irritating (laughs) and um and then some of their carrying on on tv trying to be some moments of them trying to be funny like especially liam and he just seemed really stupid and annoying and so I really disliked them for a while. I mean, they've always been popular, but it became people were finding them annoying. But I have to say that the second album, I did like get a copy of it somehow, I think on tape. And I was kind of secretly listening to it and enjoying it. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Yeah. Another song that I find slightly annoying is Roll With It. You like, gotta roll with it. It's that like, one. stop trying to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> 
Well, have I got to do all those things? Have I really? You've got to roll with it. You've got to take your time. You've got to say what you're saying. Don't let anybody get, get in your way. Because it's all too much for me to say. Don't it's, ever be denied. And it's so catchy, but slightly annoying. Yeah. And they, they also kind of start to become known as Oasis Quo. What's that mean then? Well, status quo were a sort of big act from the 60s and 70s and 80s. And 90s. And 90s and beyond. (laughs) Who became known around about the 90s. They weren't seen as very cool. They were seen as kind of churning out very repetitive bluesy rock riffs Mm -hmm. ad infinitum. Yeah. And they were seen as sort of slightly bloated, shabby, well not shabby, flabby. Mm -hmm. um, Middle-aged. Middle-aged, dull rock. Yeah. And that's why Oasis Quo became quite a diss. Yeah. Um, and you can see why. I mean, everyone got a bit sick of them, surely. But I have to say this. But same- then every now and then, you'd see them like, and then you tune would be really good. Yeah, or you'd see There's like a performance one, of... Acquiesce, do you know that one? That's uh, vaguely. We were together. together. Now, that's later. Is that? Yeah, but that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Is, but is that, I right. don't know what, what right. the timeline we're on now, but I just mean of the later ones, every now and then a, a song would pop out. Because they went on that for ages. really good. And they had that... Yeah, they did go on for ages. So, this, the, the, so like, we're still in the sort of early, the first two years, uh, but they, they seem to, like... A lot of bands would just implode or they would self-destruct, especially when they reach that level of success. Or they just run out of tunes. They run out of tunes, run out of songs, they run out of steam, they burn out. Or it's, yeah, like they've only got one album's worth of stuff. But Oasis just held on and kept going and going and going. And they did some huge gigs as well, didn't they? Yeah. And they did. They were, they were huge for they, a while. They were massive. They did that one gig, which was, what, which one is it? Is it Nebworth? Yeah. Is it that? Um, which was one of the biggest gigs that had ever been done. Um, I'm just trying to see... Uh, in this country, anyway. In this country, yeah. I mean, it, we're talking about like 250,000 people or something like that. Concert. To, I can't see... I can't find the, the details. But anyway, uh, they were absolutely massive. But I'm, what I'm trying to get to is the second album, which actually felt a bit different to the first one. It was it produced a lot better, and the sound was different. It was a bit more kind of... It's softer, right? I don't know. Yeah, Which one was. is Slide Away on? Is that on the first one? Slide Away is the one? first album. Yeah. So that's that sort of Sex Pistols, Neil Young stuff. But then the second album um, was softer. The drummer was, it was a different drummer. So they ditched Tony and they got someone who actually had chops who could play. And, and he had a great hairdo one. What the fuck was that? Oh, an Indian. <laughs> he had a great hairdo, man. He, <laughs> he had was a like, great hairdo, man. He was like a Birmingham, yeah, Birmingham, Birmingham rude boy. Fucking rude Birmingham boy. Man. Um, so a great head of a man, I'm telling you. Rubber dinghy rapids. That's that voice from um, it is a Midlands, Four Lions. Midlands Indian accent or Pakistani or Bangladeshi. I will edit this out probably. Um, but oh, what was I saying? Yeah, they're different. Rewind. A different sound. So it wasn't that kind of big rock sound. It was softer. The drummer, a new drummer, was who was. Uh, much more talented than the previous one and skilled. And he was using those, he wasn't using proper sticks. He was using those sort of acoustic sticks, you know, those, those bamboo ones. Bamboo rods. Bamboo rods. You've got some here somewhere. On top yeah. of the MPC those over things, there. Yeah, you've got some of those things. They're like, I like playing with them, but I smashed mine to pieces in about well, yeah. one practice. Basically. So they're like lightweight sticks, which give a different sound. I um, like, they, they give more of a thwack. Yeah. Which I really like. It's not a sharp tang. It's a thwack. 
which I really appreciate. And I use the plastic ones as well, and they give quite a solid thwack. Yeah. And you can do quite nice rim shotty thwacks with them. So That's they right. really resonate nicely. Yeah. So the, the album had a softer sound, and there were songs on it like uh, She's Electric. She's got a family full of eccentrics. She's done things I've never expected. And, and I, I need, need more, more time. Oh. Right? But um, that. Exhausting. The s- they, they're just so. They're kind of over egged, some of the songs. There's like they're, too uh, many words in there, too oh, many lyrics, too many choruses. Over egging the pudding. They have over egg. But I like it. How do they over egg the pudding then? It's like. It's, a, it's the very eager. They're always moving forward to the next line, the next word, the next chorus. Everything's a bit. Too much. It's, but it's very hooky. Yeah, there's a hook, then there's another hook. But what does that mean? Hook. What does hooky mean? A kind of catchy melody that uh-huh. will stick in your mind, stick in your brain. So um, we were talking before about one of their songs. We were watching a video on YouTube, and you pointed out to me that every line, every lyric is, a, is like the title of a song. Yeah, or an album title. Yeah. Which is Slide Away, we were listening to we were earlier. Listening. Shall, we, shall, we, shall we play? Let's have a bit of Slide Away. It's, it's my favourite Oasis right, track. Try it. It's your favourite one, is it? Yeah. So we're going to listen to a bit of Slide Away, and probably, I'm afraid we will pause it. We're going to play this and just listen to the intro. We're going to just listen to the intro. Mm-hmm. Appreciate the nice guitar-y, twangy sounds. And then as we l- let it go a bit, we'll stop it after the first lot of lyrics. And oh. and just watch out for every lyric. Sounds like a song title, an album title, or a really cool yeah. little phrase, little turn of phrase, every single line. Very catchy. It's very sort of efficient with words. Um, get straight to the point. Okay. So this is the early sound. This sounds like the Stone Roses to me. Yeah. But now we're into the Sex Pistols. Now it sounds a bit more like Sex Pistols. But that Neil Young, that big yeah, Neil, Young. Neil Young concert sound. Hear the lyrics. Slide away. Yeah. Give it all you've got. My today fell in from the top. So every every line is just... Like a little self-contained little unit of nice little phraseology. Yeah. I mean, he writes good copy, doesn't he, Noel? He does. And the lyrics don't necessarily make exact sense. They just combine to give a nice impression of a feeling. Yeah, what does that mean? Slide away and give it all you've got. It just fits in with the melody. It fits in with the timing of the song. It's, it's a bit like that Chuck Berry. We were talking about Chuck Berry earlier and how he slots all the syllables of his words into the exact space of the notes. All the beats. So it's yeah. na 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 New Orleans, Evergreens. Yeah. And it slots in with the, the rhythm of the music brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And Noel's kind of doing a bit of that here. It's quite druggy as well. It's quite woozy, isn't it? The lyrics, though, are quite druggy. Slide away. I mean, it's, it's that could be a drug reference. Yeah, it's, it's... Give it all you've got. I mean, oh, that just means, you know... Give everything you have. Yeah. My... Give 110%, yeah. <laughs> My today fell in from the top. Ooh, that's like being born, isn't it? You know, think about it, isn't it? My today fell in from the top. So again, just very hooky lines every time. So, oh, I dream of you and all the things you say. I wonder where you are now. All right. But yeah, very catchy lines. 
Each not one. not exactly specific, but you, anyone can relate to it in a yeah, way. They're yeah. open enough to be relatable to anyone. Yeah. Hold me down, all the world's asleep. What does that mean? Well, it's nice imagery, isn't it? Hold me down. I'm because I'm going to explode. Yeah, I'm going to take off. So you've got to hold me in place. Because I'm so high. <laughs> All the world's asleep. Except me, because I'm buzzing, man. Do you I'm know what I mean? I'm fucking buzzing, man. It's 4.30 a.m. and I'm fucking morning, bang on man. it. And all the world's asleep, but I'm fucking flying, man. Don't let the milk float ride your mind, you know what I mean? <laughs> I need you now. You've knocked me off my feet. All right? I dream of you. We talk of growing old. All it's right. nice, isn't it? When we're 64. Yeah. <laughs> but you said, please don't. Yeah, that's dodgy. So I dream Please of, don't grow old. I dream of you. We talk of getting old, but you said, please don't. What? Please don't grow old or please don't talk about growing old? <laughs> well, it's up to you to decide. It's open-ended. That's like one of those um, moments in karaoke where you're singing along and you realise, wait a minute, what the fuck? What's wait that mean? Wait a minute, what's this? <laughs> Slide in, baby. Together we'll fly. That's pure oasis. Doesn't mean anything. Slide in, baby. Together we'll fly. But I think most people would take that to mean, come next to me. We're going to like us against the world. We're going to have, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a great relationship. I mean, it's just—it's just phrases and phrases and phrases. I've tried praying, but I don't know what you're saying to me. But that's just perfect for Liam. Like the way he delivers the lines. The way, I mean, no one quite does to words what Liam Gallagher does to words. He, he spits them out. I mean, he's half John Lennon, half John Lo- Johnny Rotten. Totally. And uh, he sings through his nose. He's got that Lemmy kind of stance at the microphone, where his, his nasal passages are aimed right at the, at the crowd. And, he's a um, fantastic singer when he's when he's and good. he just stands there and bellows, but he really tries with every word. He yeah. rings everything out of every single word he can, especially yeah. live. He just like devours every word. I've been praying, but you don't, don't know what you're saying to me. Yeah, and also apparently he only has to hear the song once or twice, and he nails it. Yeah, but as far as the phrasing. He he picks up the phrasing and the the melody immediately. I heard about the recording of What's the Story, Morning Glory, the second album. When they were doing Champagne Supernova, apparently Liam was in the pub a lot of the time and Noel was doing most of the work in the studio. And Liam came back from the pub and Noel played Champagne Supernova to him on on the guitar, sang it, gave him the lyrics and Liam went in and did it on the first take. Isn't that amazing? They say that, though. Do you oh, reckon? All right, no, don't, 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 don't. I'm not being... torpedo my story. Okay, that's a rad story. I don't think it was one of them who said it. It was no, one, but someone, it was I an observer. I can't believe it, man, chill. How Sorry. dare you torpedo <laughs> my story? Can we go back to Slide Away? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And now that's a man, we'll 
Like, how many phrases can they fit into this song? Together we'll find a way now of chasing... that's your mind. Yeah. We'll find a way, way of chasing, chasing the, the sun. sun. Let me be the one who shines with you in the morning. It just goes on and on and on with cool little catchphrases. In the morning, we don't know what to do. And that, 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 is there another one after that? Keep going. <laughs> two of a kind, all right. We're two of a kind, we'll find a way. It sounds like every line sounds like the main line of the song. Exactly. Yeah, because most songs like will get to a, like, here's the main line. Welcome to the Hotel California. Yeah, It's like exactly. the main point. And he's done Welcome to the Hotel California every single every line. Every single line, yeah. Two of a kind, we'll find a way. Fucking come on then. Huh? Leave it. Yeah, that. Okay. Go on, let it play. Okay. Guitar solo. (laughs) They were. They were never the most complicated guitar solos. His solos were very simple. The, the Steve Jones school of the guitar solo. Yeah. <laughs> Gets to car solos. Car solos. Scar. I'll leave it. Guitar solo, man. It's, it's Neil Young all the way. Saturday afternoon, it's about half four, the football's on, you're in the pub, you're on your third and a half pint, everything's right with the world. And you go to the toilet for a slash. And this, you can hear this coming out of the speakers. And this is what's playing in the speaker above you. And you're like, fucking come on. Let's let's have it. it. Do you want to phone matey, man? Do you want to phone that guy? Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, so that was an example. That's great, isn't it? Slide away, but so many of their, certainly their earlier songs are like that. And I felt like they were sort of playing catch-up in the second half of their career in that in that way. But like, so what else were they known for? I mean, we've sort of alluded... Bad, bad behaviour. Bad behaviour, right. What kind Swearing. Of- oh, <laughs> really? Naughty boys with their foul, rude, naughty... Potty just tons. being like geezers, do you know what I mean? <laughs> being geezers, like proper geezers, do you know what I mean? A lot of bad behavior, but I, um, so what kind of bad behavior are we talking about? Well, I read a good article the smoking. other day smoking, uh, drinking lager. Mm. Uh, I saw a good article about when they got big, Noel bought his house in like wherever fucking Nottingham or Chelsea or something, I don't know where, yeah. somewhere expensive, somewhere expensive. And he called it Supernova Heights. <laughs> That's the name of the house. And they've even got it in stained glass above the door. Oh, my God. And it was just, apparently it was a huge party house Okay. for many years. And with, like, Kate Moss hanging out there and mm-hmm. all, like, Primal Scream and just the worst debauchery you can possibly imagine. Right. For, like, a matter of years. Yeah. I mean, they were probably doing that already before they got famous. Like, living quite a hard lifestyle in terms of their intake. 
you know, a lot of drinking and, and drug use, basically. But when they hit the big time, I mean, it went into overdrive, didn't it? It's starting to sound like Noel. <laughs> Fucking went into overdrive. Went into overdrive. <laughs> Great times. Wish I could remember them. <laughs> um, but, I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't invited, unfortunately. So I'm not really qualified to talk about I that. I think we know, though, that they, they took a lot of drugs and they, they were off their faces a lot of the time. Partying and just generally living it up. They were mad for it. They were mad for it. And, you know, Noel's there on television saying, you know what I mean? Like, fucking drugs are just normal now. Like, having drugs is like getting up in the morning, like having a cup of tea. You know what I mean? Like, he actually did say that on TV. Good line. And it made the newspapers, you know. uh, uh, That's when the news was quiet, though. There wasn't much on. So they just, like, always pick a scandal, don't they? Oh, a drug, I mean, a drug statement by Rockstar. They they did make the newspapers a lot. And even, like, the evening news on the BBC, you know, it'd be like, and finally, uh, Oasis have uh, had a bust up again. You know what we haven't talked about? Blur versus, versus Oasis. Right, so that Blur versus Oasis. Okay, so this is a... A manufactured rivalry, manufactured by the press and probably the record companies, to basically give the press something to talk about. I think it was instigated by the Blur camp, if you believe what is, is that right? They moved their release date to the same day as the, the Oasis. So the thing date. was, so I think this is probably 1995. So uh, Blur were big band. It was like the this during this period of British music that was later or at the time sort of branded Britpop. But it was a sort of resurgence of English or British guitar. Oasis music. kind of killed off Britpop. Um, but Britpop was a, a sort of a manufactured idea, manufactured by the press and the music industry as a way it's of a bit like new wave. In it, fact, they called it the new wave of new wave, and that, in fact, that was something else. But, but anyway, Britpop was this sort of musical thing that the newspapers invented in order to create a movement that would be distinct from the American grunge stuff that was so popular at the time. And it was a way to basically sell records and also sell newspapers and magazines and stuff as well, right? That's the cynical take on it. Yeah, absolutely correct. But musically, the bands that are considered to be part of Britpop do come from a sort of, you know, they do sort of take their influences from certain British um, bands. like the a kind of a generational thing of like, Every 20 years, there's a kind of resurgence in... But the Britpop groups harked back to exactly. the, the great British pop rock stuff from the 60s and the 70s. And it was kind of very influenced by bands like the Kinks and also the Who and, and the punk sort stuff. Of slightly pop art sort of feel to it. Yeah. Very sort of bright colours in the videos and something very... So there, there was a... Over, overtly pop. Yeah. There was a kind of scene as well. It wasn't just music. There was art as well and models like Kate Moss and, and you know, um, Hurst. Um, what's his name? And the Spice Girls. And what's his the Hurst? Damien. Damien Hurst, the artist, and the Spice Girls and stuff. And it was all packaged up as Britpop sort of thing. So, anyway, that was going on. But, yeah, at 95, I think it was, Blur were going to uh, release uh, Country House and Oasis were planning to release Roll With It. And Blur chose to move the release date of their single, so it was the same day as, as Roll With It. As a, Dan, Was it Roll With It? Yeah, it was. Sure about that? Yes. Okay. Uh, because the My thing least favourite Oasis Yeah, because the thing is about... The, that thing, they were both crap songs. They were, yeah. And so it kind of worked for everyone because it, it became a media story that Blur versus Oasis. And you had to support your favourite act by, guess what, buying their record. Exactly. And it worked, and it was in all the... It was all in the news. It was a bit of fun. 
Blur versus a bit Oasis. Of fun. Uh, today, uh, the, 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 uh, point, <laughs> yeah, go on. the two, uh, you know, Britain's leading guitar bands uh, compete against each other today in the, you know, like um, rival rock bands, Blur and Oasis, went head to head today in the pop charts, yeah. all that kind of thing. But the point is the the Blur one, that one. They sold more. They sold more, and they went to number one that week. Mm-hmm. Oasis were number two. Okay. But Blur won the battle but lost the war. <laughs> Can you explain that phrase? Well, that was the Blur's kind of last hurrah. There's a good phrase for you. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. Wasn't really their last hurrah because they reinvented no, themselves. That's true. No, actually, this, my favorite Blur stuff is the, uh, the later stuff. The more uh, depressing ones, right? Like Beetle Bum and Coffee and TV and stuff. Yeah, I really like that. Blur yeah, me stuff. too. Me too. But at the time, Blur were quite annoying. Yeah, it was. They were terrible, like sort of vaudeville pantomime acts of. Sorts. Yeah, it's like Carry On, fucking knowing, not in a wink. Yeah, it's conceptual, Cheeky. conceptual, like getting Phil Daniels involved, like retro, very thought through. Mm-hmm. And Oasis were just like some proper geezers, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to go out on fucking stage and fucking... Yeah, and we sing about universal life. truths, do you know what I mean? Yeah. We don't talk about, like, fixies and, like, you know, high concepts. We just talk about universal truth. It's fucking real life, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, okay, so, yeah, Oasis sold more records then, but they ultimately lost the war. Because... Not that it know, was a war, it wasn't nah, really, but... but Oasis oh, went massive and Blur didn't go massive with their next album, I guess. Right, okay. Talking about their sort of drug intake and their lifestyle and stuff, I just kind of wonder how they managed to survive. Like, I, I know that, like, uh, Giggsy, the bass player, he dropped out. He, yeah. Right. No, it wasn't, no, the drummer got kicked out. The, the bass player had a bit of a breakdown. And the guitarist stayed with them, but he got booted out as well, ultimately. Um, we're not sure quite why, but it they, they fell out or or they thought it was time for some new blood. And that was probably after the third album, I think. Also, another thing about or them, fourth. the brothers were always arguing. Yeah, okay. This is something that makes good copy, makes good press, and it's just a fact. It's not really that manufactured, I don't think. They're very distinct personalities. Mm-hmm. And they're the same, same, but different. Yeah. So they're, they probably hate each other in the way that only brothers can, and they fight in the way that only brothers can. Yeah. And although, thankfully, Luke isn't a nutter like Liam, or even Noel is probably quite a nutter as well. Yeah. But anyway. Um, but there's something... Yeah, there's this there's this continual brotherly rivalry slash mutual necessity, because neither of them could do it on their own. Yeah. Oasis would have been nothing without Liam and nothing without Noel. Right. You know, neither of those things would have had any impact at all. What do you think of them as individuals then? I mean, what if we profile Liam Gallagher? I haven't got a clue, but um, he seems like the brash, cocky one, really good looking. I mean, he always looked cool, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, and everyone started to dress a bit more like him in those days. Even Everyone's, when he had a really bad haircut, he still pulled he still it off. He still looked cool, even though with those dodgy shades. Uh-huh. And then Noel was just the more slightly more quick-witted, funny as fuck dry mm. um not as stylish but still cool in his own way but yeah they were just always at each other's throats i suppose if you believe what's i mean liam would drive you mad though wouldn't he yeah 
constantly. I get the impression he was like Nell was bottling a lot of things up and just dealing with it and dealing with it until one day it reached the point he was just like had enough and that's it. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So give us an example of the sort of behaviour that you could expect from just being in the room with Liam. I don't know. I can't remember. I mean, I wasn't there. No, I know, but we know though, don't we? Because we've seen it on telly and we just know what he's like. So he's the sort of person who would just be. He would want to sort of take over the room. He has to be the centre of attention in the room. He's, he's and he probably pulls all the best girls, and so that would yeah. instill a bit of jealousy. And yeah, he's right. the front man. He's the one everyone remembers. Also, an aggressive person, and at times probably not a nice person. Probably a horrible bastard. I think the impression I get is I that don't know. I'm not going to say because I, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, well, we don't know, but I get the impression that he's probably sometimes drunk and off his head and that's probably really hard to contain and deal with you know i mean there's things that we do know like that he there's certain gigs where he was either too off it to sing or blew his voice out and just i don't know maybe that's not his fault but well there, there there's there, times where he was clearly off his tits on stage yeah it's like a bit too off your tits it's okay to be slightly off your off tits. your tits <laughs> on drink and drugs right one of the there, there are various famous moments when yeah liam just sort of refuses to sing on stage he sits down or he starts pacing around while and noel has to take over and there's a bit in the documentary where he was got so wasted he stayed up all night and then he was useless the next day and then he was doing crystal meth on stage and things like that yeah <laughs> supposedly yeah that's in the documentary it is i didn't just make that up no no um so a sort of volatile character. volatile mix yeah but noel yeah like you said he's probably bottling a lot of things up just tolerating it maybe but you know you know that noel being clever is probably fucking with liam in all sorts of ways that we don't know about i think noel was a bastard as well he's probably. a tough guy yeah and it comes down to things like like you know, apparently near the end when they broke up, one of the things that pushed it over the edge was that Liam had his own clothing range, right? And he wants he wanted to he expected to be able to put adverts for his clothing uh, line in the brochure for their live shows. So if you go and see Oasis at you know whatever the Manchester Arena, and Noel didn't want him to, and and you get the brochure, and there's like maybe a couple of pages of adverts for for yeah, Liam's yeah. clothing, and Noel said no. In fact, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to pay to put uh, your adverts in the magazine. And I think Liam sort of flipped out over that. So that's like Noel Gallagher being controlling and, you know, domineering and stuff. I mean, maybe it's, it's he's had, maybe he was right, I don't know, but... You can get, he probably was right, but that would still piss you off. You get the it? impression that Noel's probably sort of, yeah, doing doing things too that maybe not as obvious. But it's it's hard to say, isn't it, with brothers complicated apparently apparently their their family life was quite difficult growing up yeah that um their dad was um i think pretty rough with them but but liam is the youngest there's actually three brothers there's paul gallagher as well there's paul and noel and, and liam paul's the oldest one and noel's the middle one and liam is the youngest and apparently noel used to cop cop it the most from their dad in fact their dad sort of had it in for noel and you mean physically violent? I think so. I think that's what I picked up from the documentary. I think definitely. Yeah, and um, Liam got away with it. Because he was the youngest. Youngest, the cocky little younger brother. And so, you know, just dynamics like that play out in, a, in you know, 
in a brotherly relationship, probably. What else should we talk about? Can we look at the list again that we made earlier, yeah. so we don't just ramble and we maybe try and wrap it up? I, tr- a bit. I mean, if you talk, if we if we're talking about the documentary, right, Supersonic, that that documentary ends at the height of their fame, which is probably sort of ninety six, ninety seven. We could probably end here. Maybe we could just say that it they they managed to survive. They got new members. They replaced some of the other members of the group. They carried on. They still kept having the odd quite big hit. Yeah, even in the later days. Yeah, they did somehow survive and managed to come out with some good Let's hits. Just see what words I've got written down here. Contradiction I've got written down here because I reckon they are a bit of a contradiction. What's the contradiction then? Well, they're sort of happy but sad. Mm-hmm. They're sort of exciting but also quite boring. Like the Oasis Quo thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they sound brilliant. If you're in the right mood for it, they can sound fantastic. And other times you listen to the same song and it just sounds a bit mundane. It's weird. It's like I still haven't worked them out yet. And that's probably what keeps me coming back to them. I mean, I saw a criticism of them the other day in a comment mm-hmm. saying Oasis is rock music for people who don't like rock music. Wow. And I just thought that's not really a criticism. That's actually a compliment. Yeah. In a way. Go on. Because I think that's true. They cut through to the people who they like folk songs, those songs like Wonderwall. Yeah. Which is like the most sung song at funerals or something. It's the mo- most played song at weddings and funerals. It's one of the most requested songs for buskers or, or uh like bands, covers bands. It's like it's kind of transcended pop music and gone straight to sort of popular folk mythology. Yeah. A lot of these songs. Yeah. Or some of them. Some of the top three maybe. And, and and also Don't Look Back in Anger was the yeah, song. Yeah, that was sung spontaneously after the bombings at that concert in Manchester. Yeah, there was a terrorist attack in Manchester a few years ago and the crowd uh, outside like afterwards paying their respect, they all suddenly broke out in singing Don't Look Back in Anger, which is an emotional moment. Um, so yeah, they kind of broke through to this. I really like that idea of their, their kind of like folk songs now. Well, they are. They're, the songs will live on beyond... The band. They're going to live forever. They are going to live forever. <laughs> well, for how, how, how long is forever, though? That's the question, isn't it? It's not mm. that long. Well, I don't know. <laughs> not for this human race. Well, we don't know, yeah. Yes, okay. Well, I I guess we could probably draw it to a close then here. What about how they ended? you know how they broke Let's up? listen to Champagne Supernova to, to kind of wrap really? it up. Yeah. I, I would like to do another episode where I maybe listen to a couple of interviews with Noel and Liam so that listeners can actually hear what they sound like. You should like. also put that Kevin and Perry one on where Perry goes to Manchester. Okay, so Kevin and Perry were... And you should put the word performance on okay. as well. All right. Uh, Kevin you don't and- need to exp- explain Kevin and Perry. It will explain itself. They're basically comedy characters and one of them in one episode does a, an impression of Liam Gallagher. They're, they're like awkward teenagers. Mm-hmm. And they're at that very awkward stage in teenage life where you hate everything and everything's really embarrassing. But one of them goes on to Manchester for the weekend and he comes back doing a brilliant Liam Gallagher impersonation. All right, all right, all and he's right. suddenly become a Mancunian overnight. Yeah, it's very and funny. And it's really funny. Okay. What's her name? Kathy Burke. Kathy Burke is the actress who is playing a boy in the in the episode. Okay, so you want to end with Champagne Supernova? Uh, you want the the album version? Let's have the yeah lyrics version. Yeah, that one. Okay. Um, can you try and explain what this is about? Oh God, who knows? It's about being in a champagne supernova in the sky, man, isn't it? What is a supernova, though? 
It's a big thing in space. It? It's a big explosion sort of thing in space, isn't it? It's a big... It's when a star kind of implodes. It goes into supernova, isn't it? And then it becomes a black hole. Isn't that right? Yeah. I think that's probably... 100% correct. But it's a big thing. It's like a thing in space, right? And I know what champagne is. It's a sparkling uh, white wine created in the champagne region of uh, France. Mm-hmm. And champagne is a certain colour, so you might see a supernova in the sky if you look through a telescope. I don't think he's talking about the colour of the supernova. No? I think it's like a champagne supernova is something that happens in your head, man. Do you know what I mean? It's like when you drink some champagne. A lot of it. And then... (laughs) (laughs) Fucking... Are you alright, man? No, I'm just having a bit of a champagne supernova, man. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a cocktail. You should write the lyrics out as well. Okay. Um, well, we don't write them out. You can probably copy paste them. But what do the lyrics mean, though? I mean, what, even if what do they mean? How to many you? people change? It doesn't mean anything. Just put it on. But it captures a certain feeling, though, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Let's let's do it. I'm afraid, listeners. I am going to have to sort of pause sometimes in the song and repeat or or discuss the lyrics. It's a long introduction which we have to talk over because you know. We can't just play the song, really. We have to talk on it. Okay. How many special people change? How many lives are living strange? Living strange. What's living strange mean? How many special people change? How many lives are living strange? Well, I certainly am. (laughs) I wasn't going to say anything. Where were you while we were getting high? Ooh. So, pronouns. Who are the pro- You. Who's you in this sentence? Where were you while we were getting high? It's you, in it? It's the person the song's directed at. But who's that, though? You. Is it like the parents or something? something? No, it's fucking you, in it? It's the person, the listener. So where was I? Where were when, you, mate? Where, where was fucking you? Where was I when Liam and Noel were getting high? Yeah. I was probably in, like, my bedroom doing my homework. <laughs> Is that really what they want to know? Yeah. It's it's a Oh is it like where were you when JFK got shot? Where were you while we were getting high? Is it like it's that? It's more like what were you fucking doing? Like we were getting fucking high, man. Were you getting high as well? Yeah. Or where were you were you in school learning? What were shit? you doing? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's... All right. Where were you while we were getting high? I always thought it was like he was talking to someone in his life and it's like we were getting high, man. What the fuck were you doing? <laughs> no, I think it's angry. You were at work or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball. But it does, it makes me feel, it makes me feel things, man. That's what it's all about. But I don't know why. It's magic. Slowly walking down the hall faster than a cannonball. It is magic. But wait you know, a minute. A combination you... of music and words to make you feel something, change you somehow. That's magic. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's conjuring a spell mm. and it's worked. Bit of Alan Moore there coming through. Just a little bit. Yeah. Slowly walking down the hall faster than a cannonball. Because he's off his tits, man, isn't he? So he's actually slowly walking... But in is his personal He's experience. Rushing his tits it's off, really man. intense. <laughs> I'm like fucking right, slowly walking down the hall, right? Like that. Oh, fucking! But inside, faster than a cannonball. I think this is going to be awkward if we it's, keep doing this. We're really going to ruin the song for everyone. Just it play your, it. it was, just I can't just play it. I have to talk about it. Well, can we talk That's over it? Yeah. Let's just talk over it. 
I don't know, it's probably on Solihull High Street. I don't know, man, give me a break. Someday you'll find me caught beneath the landslide. Someday you'll find me caught beneath a landslide. That's where a load of landslides down, do you know what I mean? Like loads of landslides down a mountain and that, you get caught underneath it. Like if you don't know where I am, I might have been... Wake up the dawn and ask her why. Wake up the dawn and ask her... Is that a joke? Because dawn is a girl's name. (laughs) I think it is. Wake up the dawn. Wake up that dawn. It should be wake up that dawn. (laughs) Wake up that dawn and ask Ask her her why. Why Why she's still... (laughs) Why she... uh, done any of the laundry or any of the other things that she's supposed to do around the house ask wake up to that dawn and ask her why but the dreams of dream will never wipe that tear away now again it's eye. one of these little phrases you know lots of little neat phrases wipe. that just fit into the structure of the song nicely wipe that tear away from from your eye okay because it's like that's to me reminiscent of um abbey road you never give me your money there's a line in it that's just like that so the Beatle lyric i'm talking about comes from you never give me your money paul mccartney song from abbey road and it's like this bit where he goes one sweet dream you know remember that yeah. bit Pick up the bags and get in the limousine. Soon we'll be away from here. Step on the gas and wipe that tear away. That's just what it reminded me of. And in this, in this one, it's wipe that tear away now from your eye. Slowly walking down the hall Faster than a cannonball Where were you while we were getting high? Not the best production I've ever heard. Maybe it's just this YouTube version. Probably is. YouTube compresses music. Into a tinny... I guess the original is probably better than this. Because people believe that they're going to get away for the summer. I like the last bit of this verse. And it's it's the following what, bit. Because you, you and, and I, I, we live or die, the world starts spinning, we don't know why. Yeah, it's kind of a slightly nihilistic sort of vibe to no, it. No, it's cool. It's just like, we don't know why the world's the spinning. The world's spinning, we don't know why, but it... Yeah. I, like I don't know if it's it narcissistic, the word I'm looking for, but that kind nihilistic. of like... Nihilistic. Ni- sorry, nihilistic. Um, that's, that's just that feeling of like, we've... We don't know why we're here. Existential, maybe. That's the word. Yeah. Okay. So you and I... Existential. You and I, we live 
or die. Live and die. Live and die. The, the world's world. all spinning. We don't know why. <laughs> why, <laughs> why, why, why. But then there's a very... And then the like, mouth organ comes in. There's like a long five-minute section, a four, four-and-a-half to five-minute section now. Let's um, leave it there. Yeah, I'm going to leave it there. But the Cigarettes the, and alcohol is a good one as well. It is. There's loads, you know, but we can't play them all. If I had them... I could mix them and we could put it on Mixcloud, yeah. but I don't. I don't have them. Like, Mixcloud. I never bought them. Like I said, they're on the fucking radio all the time. But anyway, people can go on to whatever way they get their music. If it's Spotify or something else, they could do it. And there's, you know, all the stuff is there. The records are there if they want to listen to them. I'm sounding like John Lennon now. You know, when he talked about how the, the break of the Beatles. And he's I don't like, want to we, talk about we it We were just a band that made it really big, you know. But if people want to uh, get nostalgic, the records are there. They can listen to them. It's not a great disaster. People keep talking about it as if it's the end of the earth. It's only a rock group that split up. It's nothing important. You know, you have all the old records there if you want to reminisce. Right on, John. Right yeah. on. So anyway, that's it. We didn't cover everything. We couldn't. Like, we didn't cover the, the sort of back half of their career and all the different things and the way they broke up and stuff. We didn't deal with that. But you should watch maybe Superno- uh, Supernova. Supersonic. Supersonic. And there's another one. If you one might want to find it called Live Forever, yeah, which is a Britpop documentary, and that is hilarious. Yeah, okay. It's got Jarvis Cocker in it, and it's got Damon Albarn, 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 Albarn is a Oasis, and it's a really funny documentary about that time that we're talking about, the sort of mid nineties. Yeah, and um, you really see the difference between the Blur guys and the Oasis guys in that. The difference in their personalities. Sort of a north and south thing as well. It is a north and south thing, yeah. Because Blur were from the south. And Southern softies and uh, Blur were the tough nuts from no, up north. Oasis were the tough nuts. Sorry, what did I say? You said Blur, but that's what I did earlier. We just mixed them up. Very similar words. Blur. Like kind of, uh, bl- they're just sort of like. Vague. They're sort of like stock image words. Blur. Stock library words. Oasis, yeah. Just but, sort of non non. It's not like the Rolling Stones or anything. They're not like specific. Not a, They're not that non-specific specific sort of brand name. Yeah, could be the name of like a, a toilet cleaner. Mm. Either of them, new Blur toilet cleaner or new Oasis air freshener. And a few years after Oasis came out, the soft drink Oasis came out as well, which is quite funny. Yeah, I don't know like how they that. did that. What, uh? You can buy these drinks. There's like you know strawberry flavor, or and this called Oasis. Not connected to the actual Oasis. But, but if you drink it, it will help you shine. <laughs> or like, you know, new Oasis hair conditioner helps to give your hair that extra shine. Okay. <laughs> we, should put, we should finish with a clip of uh, Oasis mania at its height. Oasis mania at its height? Just put in Oasis... Oasis mania, I'm going to write. Yeah, there it is. Oasis See if there mania. is such a thing. Uh, it's just lots of clips of them in concert. But like, you know, we need to... Oasis sit- on... How about Oasis on TV show? Oasis on... On the news, no? All right, that'll do. Uh, flip in. All right, this is the, the news of Oasis apparently splitting up in 1996, but they didn't. This happened How about all- the Nebworth one? Go down, that looks a bit huh? more regional. That okay, one Oasis funny. Nebworth News and documentary. Let's put them on the Australian news. Uh, let's have a few a news montage. All right, hold on. Let me try the first one, All right. and then we'll do the Nebworth one, and then we'll do the Australian one. The uh, British rock band Oasis. Yeah, I can't wait to hear the Australian <laughs> one. 
The latest problems for British rock band Oasis seem to be over. Singer Liam Gallagher left London today to fly out to New York to join the band for its American tour. Earlier this week, Liam walked out on Oasis, saying he had to find a new home for him and his girlfriend, Patsy Kensett. Liam also failed to perform at the band's MTV Unplugged show in London last Friday, as he had a sore throat, but now he's back to his former self. Wait, what? Yeah, Liam, Liam leaves in 1996. He leaves at another... You know, they were constantly splitting up. Yeah, but were, oh, right, that's not the final split. That's not the final split. The final split happened in 2000 and... Oh, what was it, listeners? Was it 2009? I think it probably was. Let's just see. Let's get just some of the key dates here. Um, hold on, hold on. All right. 2009 is when they split up. So 1991 was the formation in the early years. 1993 to 95 is when they recorded and released Definitely Maybe and sort of became really famous. Then they came out with uh, What's the Story, Morning Glory, um, and they hit international success and their peak popularity. Uh, 1996 to 1998, they they released several albums, Be Here Now and The Master Plan. And also there were lots of moments of excess and, for example, American tours that got abandoned because the band kind of broke up, probably just because of the the kind of... They were just too wasted, and it kind of um, caused the band to be unable to continue. 1999 to 2000, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants was a, a kind of a comeback album, I think, after they got rid of some of the other members of the band. And then there was Heathen Chemistry that I've never actually heard of, Don't Believe the Truth and Dig Out Your Soul. So they kept going and still produced more and more records and then 2009 is when they split up but this news report is when liam apparently quit the band and there was like um problems because he hadn't played a a show because he had a sore throat even though liam uh noel said that he just had a hangover you know this sort of thing you have to come back do a bit of packing you know like you do when you're in an house and you got to move you'd packed already though no we hadn't packed so we had to find an house and it wasn't hard with all these little pests here so he's saying, like, we had to find a new house to live in. I had a sore throat, and it wasn't easy with all these pests here. Like, talking about all the journalists who were camping out outside his house. All right, well, what about the other news story? We're going to finish in just a, just a moment. What was the other one? Let's have this one. Nebworth. Nebworth, right? This is when they did that massive gig. A quarter of a million devotees flocked to see Oasis at Nebworth over the weekend. And by all accounts, it was an impressive event. It's estimated that the two concerts grossed five and a half million pounds. Radio stations in 34 countries broadcast them live and 150,000 t-shirts were sold to adoring followers. So what's behind the success of Britain's most popular rock and roll band since the Beatles? Nicholas Glass joined the fans at Nebworth for this special report on the wonder of rock and roll stars, Oasis. Mm-hmm. Just listen to this. So what's the story here? In an industry not given to understatement, Oasis seems to be that rare thing, a genuine phenomenon. We can't actually just listen to a documentary. All right, well, let's just can it then. Let's just wrap it up. All right, let's... let's ju- well, I want to hear that Australian one. We All promised right, yeah, we've got it, to hear we the have Aussie to deliver one. it. This will be good. This group, Oasis. Okay. This is going to be great. too loud. Because they're going to be them at the airport being outrageously out of order to all the Aussie journalists. 
we should say first of all we're taking the mickey out of australian the australian accent but we we don't mean any harm by it we like australian people definitely not because some of them are fucking hard man (laughs) it could be construed by australia i've had i've done it before where i'm talking with paul i've talked with paul and we did uh new zealand accents and we were like commenting on what they do to vowel sounds and one person wrote some comment and they were offended because they were from new zealand and i was like oh so i didn't mean to offend you just you know just just having just having a bit of fun (laughs) Um. group Oasis has touched down in Australia in a storm of controversy after complaints from passengers about rowdy behaviour on their flight to Perth. Last night, hundreds of fans mobbed the group at Perth Airport. A crowd of more than 500 waited for hours to catch a glimpse of the band, here for their first Australian tour. There's a new kind of Olympic... Oh, that was it. That's it? No, there's more. Auckland. We, we return now to our uh, story about Oasis. All Oasis have arrived for their first Australian tour. Hundreds of fans were waiting at Perth Airport to catch a glimpse of the band. Lead singer Liam Gallagher leading the way through the crowd. Sometimes accused of borrowing from the Beatles, songwriter Noel Gallagher is involved in a war of words with Paul McCartney saying the Beatles also stole ideas from their predecessors. Oasis will play the Entertainment Centre next Tuesday. I mean, this... Uh, this is dry as fuck. Look, I, I must do another episode where I maybe break down some of the interviews with the guys and then that we could do it like that. James, thank you for talking to us about Oasis today. I hope it was half decent. I feel like we didn't do a very efficient or uh, scientific uh, study of Oasis. But scientific study? With like stats, who should have? They had eleven number one. uh, Oh yeah, but no one gives a shit about all that stuff, really. The data, you know, it's it was a qualitative analysis of the group, not a quantitative analysis. Does that make any sense? No, because I don't know what either of those words means. Quantitative means how many. Okay, I need to interrupt here. You just heard me mention quantitative data. Um, Actually, it's four syllables. It should be quantitative data all right so every time you hear me say quantitative it should be quantitative i've probably just confused you even more but there you go so it's quantitative and qualitative data it's it was a qualitative analysis of the group not a quantitative analysis does that make any sense no because i don't know what either of those words means quantitative means how many qualitative means the value the quality of it so for example you get data which is quantitative it's just numbers i did right that really and data that's qualitative includes like opinions or values and stuff in it too so like you know people's specific thoughts about a certain subject rather than just how many people um did something right there's a third world popper's third world the object the world of objective contents of thoughts that's the most random thing in this entire episode. If you're worried about... Look up ep- Cole Popper. No, don't. Don't. <laughs> don't do that. Just look up... Uh, what was the song? That's the, the track? Is that The Orb? That's it's where the I Orb. heard it it's, first. It's from O-O-B... O-O-B-E. O-O-B-E, which is from one of... Uh, an, a track by an ambient uh, duo from the UK called The Orb. But that's, a, that's another story for another time. We could do an episode on the orb. What would that be like? That would be Very... as as confusing as listening to one of their records. Yeah. Right? 
Anyway, especially if we didn't plan it and we just started talking about the orb for like an hour and a half. This is a very <laughs> obscure tangent right at the end of the episode. I thought we were like going to land this plane, but then uh, okay, suddenly we just look. There was a bit of crosswinds. The pilot wasn't happy with the landing running, so we've so pulled up again. Pulled we're, up, circling. we're circling. There's a bit of turbulence, but we're going to bring it back down. I mean, the fuel is running quite low, but I wouldn't worry unduly. The seatbelt sign is still on. Definitely, the uh, the stewardesses are looking quite stressed. Mm-hmm. Which is always the best way to judge it. And the stewards, they're looking stressed as well. Okay. Um, Do you think we're going to be all right? <laughs> and then round about this time, I normally get religion. Yeah, really? Yeah, have last minute. Been, have you been scared in an airport? Last minute repentance. Deathbed repentance, the way to go. Do you reckon? Life of sin, deathbed repentance. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's it, it counts, it's, doesn't it? It works. I mean, it's been proven to to work. I mean, it's, been, it's proven. been proven to work. Well, it's it's legitimate. <laughs> it's accepted by it's accepted it, by religious, religious groups. Yeah, that that you can right at the last minute go fuck it. I do believe in God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, and then just the, to be on the safe side. And then the priest says, "Okay, God forgives you. Yeah, uh, you're all right. Yeah, okay. Do you need a priest though to to, to do that?" I don't think you do, no. You think you just do it on your own? Just wing it. <laughs> you don't need a priest as a, like a... No, you a don't modem, need a, you don't a, need a modem, middle man. A modem to God. You don't need a middle man. You don't need a middle man. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, anyway, I think that uh, if we've got to stop listeners, otherwise this will go on forever, won't it? So the plane is now landing and we've touched down. That's boom, it. Boom, <laughs> boom, boom. Oh, excuse me. Can I just get my coat? Yeah, fucking watch your elbow, you <laughs> love easy jet do you not uh, this is the last thing we're going to do when the when the plane is landed are you one of those people who jumps up immediately like, I've got to get off this plane no I chill or, chill yeah I like to do that too because what the fuck just chill in your seat and when everyone wait till everyone's else, like cleared out and then when it's emptying out when it's towards the end the last few stragglers then you get up and get yeah. your shit because you're going to end up with those with those people in the queue for, for immigration anyway so there you go all right listeners Thank you very much for listening to this episode about Oasis. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks. I hope you found it useful and interesting. Check the page for the episode on the website because there will be uh, some probably little notes and also a series of videos referring to things we've talked about. Um, Okay. And can I say on behalf of my audience, thank you, James, for being on the podcast. All right. And in these moments of doubt that you have about no one's going to like this, everyone's going to think it's shit. Did I say that? No, but um, <laughs> but I know it went through your head because I know your mind. I've seen your mind. But that's the sort of thing you normally say. I'll be very surprised if, if surprised if they're still awake or if anyone's still listening. At least to it's them. been a uh, a natural conversation because I haven't been that aware of talking. <laughs> Let's hope the listeners I haven't been have. that self conscious, if you know what I mean. Right? Is that good or bad? That's good. I think I might have been holding the mic a little bit away from me as well. There were times where because the mic I'm was... very loud in my headphones. I've just realised, so I've probably been like this the whole time. Yeah, it's tricky that, isn't it? To getting the levels right, to get the the right setup. But I... then again, this is probably the right distance for clarity. Yeah, so it's fine. Everything's fine. You get guys. the proximity effect when you put the mic in your face, but then you take it away. And if you speak at the right level, you can. Oh, I don't know, whatever. But anyway, thanks from. For, from my listeners for being on the podcast they appreciate listening to you james okay cheers all right then so thanks everyone for listening and we will speak to you soon but for now bye goodbye bye bye, bye. bye. okay so i'm
we've decided to add something at the end because we feel like we didn't you know this the episode was really long but we still feel like we didn't cover everything uh especially the end so i want to talk about how they broke up um and then what they've done since and whether they should get back together or not all right do you know how they broke up i know the story i hope you do because i can't remember it's 2009 they were in paris performing at the i think it was like solid days festival or something like that and um Apparently, basically, Liam was like probably off his head, but was like acting all crazy and sort of being aggressive. And this is according to Noel. So there's a f- sort of quite a famous video of him telling the story on Absolute Radio. So this is according to that. Uh, that Liam was like really aggro and they had a bit of a fight or something. And Liam threw a plum because they were backstage and there was like food laid out on the side and Liam picked up this plum which is a little fruit and threw it at Noel and it splattered against the wall but it sounds lame but apparently that was a sort of significant act of aggression but then Liam went out and he came back in with one of Noel's guitars in his hand and he started swinging the guitar around like wielding it like a weapon and it was basically like the last straw I think for Noel he was like, fuck it, I'm not going to do it. And he, he said, I'm not going to do the gig. I can't do this anymore. can't do this anymore with him. And so, you know, they had a falling out and Noel basically said, that's it, I'm done. I just can't carry on. I think they've probably been through that lots of times where they'd had a fight and then gone their separate ways, but then come back. But this time, Noel was like, I just can't work with him anymore, basically. And that's how they ended. And then, you know, Liam went on to do BDI, his other band with basically the members of Oasis as it was at the time they just all became BDI is that right yeah and then Liam uh, and then Noel I mean formed the High Flying Birds and had some fair amount of success BDI though were kind of rubbish weren't they I can't remember I saw them live in Paris at the Solid Days Festival another one later and I saw them and they were terrible I have to say I mean there was the um, there was the entertainment value of seeing Liam on stage but there was absolutely no chemistry or presence up there it's like it was watching four guys looking at their shoes well the 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 band looked very uncomfortable yeah and they were just there playing the notes and Liam just stood there and sang his songs and then when he wasn't singing he just sat down and there was really nothing going on it was like utterly empty and the best bits were when they did a couple of Oasis songs and his voice wasn't very good so you know, they, I don't think BDI were very good and they didn't really have many hits. And now he's just gone solo as Liam Gallagher and he's quite sort of big on Twitter, Liam. Um, he's got quite a big following because he kind of writes these quick sort of Liam Gallagher style uh, tweets to his fans. So he's got a big loyal following and he's doing quite well now, isn't he? What do you think of his new stuff? Well, he's got like quite a few professional songwriters and producers working on his music. So it's kind of a bit more manufactured, you could say. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think he writes any of the lyrics either. Maybe some of them. But, Maybe. But he still looks the part. Yeah, and he sounds the part. And we just listened to the last big hit, which was called Wall of Glass. Uh-huh. And it's pretty good, isn't it? It's not bad, yeah. I mean, we- it sounds good. It's, I mean... We also listen to... You're kind of aware that it's a bit of a manufactured entity. Yeah. Well, I am. 
Yeah, me too. But it's well made. It reminded me of what's that song I was saying? My the Angel is a Centerfold. My Angel is a Centerfold by the Jay Gales band. One hit wonder, a clearly. One, a one, hit, one wonder. hit wonder. But it sounds a bit like that. It's just not, it doesn't really sound like it, but it feels like it's got exactly the same chords or notes or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're just reshuffled. They've hit random reshuffle. Mm-hmm. And instead of going, it goes, it's like the same notes just chopped up randomly. It's very reminiscent, though, isn't it? Without being a copy. But, um, but uh, apart from that, it's a lot more modern and sounds a bit like it's like overproduced in places. But they 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 seem to be unreconcilable. Unreconcilable. You don't think they'll ever get back together? Because they're, they're. I don't. I don't know who fucking knows. But it's uh, hard to know what's really going on and what's them sort of manipulating the press a little bit because they, you know, they, you know, what they want to I do. I believe Noel though when he says it's. It, that's it. I think Oasis always basically their career was a kind of join the dots sort of thing, uh, following a a trajectory that had already been established by several other generations starting with the Beatles of a of of a young group of lads who become famous they followed that trajectory they rode the kind of the, the infrastructure for what they did was already in place and they just sort of went through the playbook of like this is how you become a big successful international rock band is that you have to be outrageous you have to maybe smash some things up along the way you've got to be cocky and funny and sort of from a working class background you've got to go too far and you've got to fall out with each other you've got to have bad drug experiences and you you know they kind of it was all laid out they just kind of walked through this preset structure don't you think unlike other bands that had come before where they just did it all for the first time oasis it was like we know exactly how this is going to go. And then it just played out. Don't you think? I'd never thought about it in that way. But I, maybe you're right. I always thought Noel was like, I know exactly what I want to do. I want to be a fucking rock and roll star. And I want to take too many fucking drugs. And split up with the band. And you know, and even the breakup for me is like, I feel like maybe they're doing it knowing what happened with the Beatles. And like after the Beatles broke up, there was like this big, um, very public split between Paul and John, where they were writing songs about each other, and they were they'd fallen out, and it was that was the story. And then the other thing about the Beatles is that they never got back together, which is the thing that has protected and maintained their legacy for all this time. Because if they had got back together and it had been bad, or if John had survived, we might not think of the Beatles in the same way that we do now, that they are on a pedestal now, forever. So they just need Liam to die now, really? <laughs> no, I don't want that to happen at all. But I think maybe Noel knows that it's sort of better for the legacy... Best left, leave it alone. If they just leave it alone. Best left... Unsolved. Un- unsolved. Yeah. <laughs> that I think Noel knows that. He's always been the clever one. He just... he well, knows What that would if they, there to be to gain? What would really if be... If they got I mean, back they together. Could, they could sell out Wembley and they could make millions of pounds. They don't game. need to. Noel don't think Noel need really that. needs that. He's not that... He's got loads of money. He's done it. He's made... They've already reached their... their and uh, I think his ego is big enough that he turned down that money just to have a bigger legacy. Yeah. I think Noel is clever like Neil Young and, or something that he's he's like, I've done that, I'm going to move on now. And if I go back and do it again, it'll sort of devalue the entire thing. But it'd be nice if they made up as brothers. It's yeah. a shame that they seem to not talk anymore. It, yeah, it'd be, it'd be good if they were mates 
but not they both agreed like let's probably let we'll leave Oasis now as it, it's like done and dusted you know but I think Liam is up for it uh, Liam want, would probably be happy to do it because there's everything he needs the songs and the high profile the money and he wants to ride the roller coaster again I'm sure he's always tweeting come on let's get the big old back together yeah let's do it yeah I'm mad for it and all that stuff he's still mad for it that's Liam he's, he's got one mode hasn't he basically which is like yeah fucking come on I'm mad for it let's fucking have it that's his one mode whereas Noel's got this I don't know I think it's sort of best best left unsolved right I think he's got more of a complex way of thinking about it so I kind of think it would be better if they didn't get back together because they might spoil or taint some of those songs you know and and Liam's voice isn't as isn't what it used to be he can't hit the high notes anymore and you can always listen to what's there yeah if you want to remember, I watched a couple of live videos they're okay Uh uh-huh yeah it's all the stuff is on YouTube you can relive it there and then so we've now I think done it now we can let this one go can't we this episode I think we should because the the plane took off again unexpectedly (laughs) at the end here we need to get this freaking bird on the ground (laughs) how did that happen well the plane how would that happen Planes landed, all the passengers got you're, off, and then suddenly we're in the air no, again. you're in the bar, like, oh, my taxi's delayed, and then the pilot's getting pissed, and he's like, tell you what, do you want to go back up? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The pilot's like, it's fine, I can fly drunk. Just go back up there. Do you want to go up for a raz? Just go for a raz around. I'll give you, I'll give you the controls for a bit. Do you want to try and fly the plane? <laughs> That's what's happening now. Yeah. Yeah, so we've had a few drinks, and the pilot's gone, you know what, should we, fuck it, should we go back up again? Do you want to go back up? I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, I'll let you have a go. All right, then. <laughs> yeah, How brilliant. much have you had to drink? Oh, never mind. Uh, not that much. Yeah, okay. Well, so who's who's got the controls of this this craft? I thought you had. I just gave them to you. <laughs> I'm the pilot. It's like, do you want to fly this podcast? See if you can bring the episode to can a close. Can we put it on autopilot? I'm, I'm terrible at closing, finishing episodes, so I'm going to let you finish this one. But you have to just go bye, bye, bye at the end, right? It's over to you, James. Okay, well, I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode and you should probably go out and listen to some Oasis. Or stay in to. and listen to the Oasis. Oasis <laughs> go on. Sorry. You've derailed it at the last minute. Okay. Um, yeah, have a good evening. Uh, or morning might be the morning when they listen to this it'd be strange if you said have a good evening and it's 10 a.m. <laughs> they've just finished their journey to work have a good evening what <laughs> I can't I can't carry on now you go you'll have to go into their boss's office I'm sorry but uh, can you give me five minutes <laughs> what time is it Okay, go and watch that Kevin and Perry sketch on my on the page for the episode. On the page for the episode. Okay, that's it. And watch the other videos because they're very entertaining. That's it from us. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.